You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's a new year and it's on. I'm talking about the federal election. Justin Trudeau just announced that he will be shuffling his cabinet on Monday. Meanwhile, he's finally called three by-elections, including the one that's giving NDP leader Jagmeet Singh the opportunity to win a seat, and that is Burnaby South. It was held by the NDP last time, and it was vacated by former New Democrat MP Kennedy Stewart, who is now Vancouver's mayor. And another big test for the NDP is in Outremont in Montreal, and uh, that was held by the former NDP leader Tom Mulcair, Outremont of course, has usually gone liberal. It was the home riding of Justin Trudeau's papa, Pierre. Plenty going on at the municipal and provincial levels as well, including Finance Minister Vic Fideli serving a libel notice on former PC leader Patrick Brown yesterday. I must say that is a bit of a head scratcher for me. So, we want to know what you think. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, we will go to some of our favorite pundits. Bob Richardson is a liberal strategist and senior counsel to National Public Relations. John McCutition is a conservative activist, a political consultant, and president of Bradgate Research Group. And We have Tom Parkin, who is an NDP political commentator. Hey, guys. Hello. Howdy. Good Uh, afternoon. Okay. Let us start with John McCutition. Let us get this thing out of the way. Does this make a lot of sense to you? Uh, Vic Fideli is objecting to a a passage in Patrick Brown's tell-all book where he said that a a woman had complained of sexual impropriety. Uh, He didn't say that there was anything to the allegations. We know that this actually happened. She ended up uh, not wanting to pursue it. Does it make sense for him to be uh, reminding us of this? Uh, not only does it make no sense, it defies all the sort of rules of political communications. When you have something that's a bad story or something that can blow up or something that doesn't point put you in the best light, you're supposed to just let that go and try to kill it as a one-day story. So here's a story that, you know, if it got dug into, could be uglier than Fidelity would like because it's all how other people view things, not how you view them. And everybody had forgotten about this. And and with due respect, you know, it may have been in Patrick's book, but it's not like the media was clamoring to talk about this. So what's the upside? He, You know, Fidelity wants to end up on a witness stand and, and be deposed in an open courtroom. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. Uh, Tom, do you agree? Mm, yeah. Um, it doesn't make a ton of sense, except if you look at it through the prism of an intense dislike between Patrick Brown and Mr. Fideli. And aside, you know, in terms of a professional political relationship, it does make no sense. In terms of personal hostility and pettiness, maybe it makes sense. 
Well, I don't know, uh, uh, Bob Richardson, even if there is personal hostility, is that uh, biting off your nose to spite your face? Yeah, I think so. I completely agree with John on this issue. Uh, I don't see the upside for Vic Fidelli at all by pursuing this. And by the way, he didn't file anything in court. He sent a lawyer's letter. Uh-huh. So, you know, this could go in a whole variety of uh, more stages before you were ever deposed in court. So um, this doesn't make sense. Look, the people in Brand voted for uh, Brown to get things done. He needs to focus on that. And the people at Queen's Park voted for change, and uh, they don't want to see continued political bickering. I see no upside in, uh, in pursuing this. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next thing. I'll, I'll ask uh, Vic Fideli next time I talk to him what's in his head. Uh, I hope that doesn't stop him from talking to me, but really, I don't get it either. So, um, uh, we have the Prime Minister just saying that he is going to call uh, have a cabinet shuffle on Monday. Scott Bryson stepping down. So, uh, Bob Richardson, is there anything more to it than what Scott Bryson said, that he wants to spend more time with his family? And, and who do you see being moved out or in to prepare for the next election? Well, number one, I don't think so. Scott's been there for 20 years, 22 years. He's at that age where if you're going to stay, you're pretty much committing yourself for the rest of your career. And he's been an investment banker before. So I was not surprised in a weird way. I I thought a few months ago, I thought we might see something like this uh, from him. So uh, good for him. And uh, and good, good. He was a very good. uh, public servant for he won seven elections in Nova Scotia, did a good job under two different parties, uh, and uh, wish you know sort of wish him the best. I think it's a good opportunity for the prime minister to recalibrate, uh, take a look. Um, I think we may be a little weak on the economic side of the house, and from the looks of things, from what the Bank of Canada was saying and some others, it may be an opportunity to strengthen his economic team. I hope he takes the opportunity to do that with this shuffle. You you mean moving Morneau out? Uh, I, I don't know if you move the finance minister out, but uh, maybe there's some things that we can do to um, in, in enhance things. For instance, the Minister of Economic Development has about 19 different jobs. Uh, he's responsible for all the regional economic development agencies, science, this, that. Maybe we can uh, flip some things around and, uh, and, and refresh the economic team. Okay. Uh, and uh, John, uh, what do you think he should do, or what are you hoping he won't do? Well, I, I'm surprised that Scott's leaving. I think you can. Uh, there's actually more that can be read into it rather than. Uh, I mean, there is the, that decision point. Uh, you know, my colleague just gave, which is quite true. But Scott is never, if anything, because I've known him since his first election. He's never been anything if not ambitious, and he certainly, you know, always uh, had leadership. Uh, he certainly sought the leadership of, uh, you know, one party at least before. And you know, I, I think what this says is that, uh, you know, he's unfulfilled where he is, so he's going off to something greater. So whether he's reading internal tea leaves that, uh, you know, he, he will be the first of many to leave the uh, good ship uh, federal liberal, uh, thinking that, uh, you know, it may not be the sure bet. Every, I think everybody in the country would have thought Trudeau was guaranteed two terms. But, uh, you know, that's far from the case today. Okay. Uh, and uh, any, anyone you uh, see being shuffled out? No. I mean, I, I'm, 
it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's it's uh, as sad as the case as with most of our governments. It's really, you know, the government of one voice. Uh, in the case of the federal government, it's the voice of the prime minister. So, you know, shuffling people around, uh, especially with less, uh, you know, than a, a year to go before an election, it's all now window dressing and, uh, you know, war cabinet. And there's nothing really meaningful that's going to happen. And, you know, even in the traditional uh, spending spree of uh, pre-election, we're going to promise you the world. Uh, the Liberals have a problem of not having fulfilled most of their campaign promises from the last election. Okay, Tom Parkin, let's talk about the NDP. The by-election in Burnaby South uh, was finally called now, but... All of the pundits that I talked to before the holiday break were saying that so far Jagmeet Singh has put in a disappointing performance. Uh, He's not been doing well on the fundraising side of things. The NDP is down. Uh, We had uh, yesterday, I believe, Tom Mulcair, the former leader, saying if he does not win this election, he should step aside. Meanwhile, he's saying, no, I'm not stepping aside no matter what. Uh, According to the polls, the NDP is sitting at something like 16%. Uh, So what's your take on all of that? Um, a lot of this is um, is filling uh, a void in a vacuum. So, you know, uh, the, the fact is that now, finally, Singh has a chance to run an election. There's been months of delay on this thing. You'll remember that this seat was open on October the 28th when on another by-election was called. It was skipped over. Uh, so the Liberals have played a number on, on Singh, uh, pushed him aside, treated him badly, I think quite insultingly. Uh, and you know that's an insult, really, to the whole democratic process and the people of Burnaby. Complete and the other nonsense they kept, the other two seats that they kept at bay. And I, I think that's pretty much an established fact. Bob. So you know now Singh has a chance to uh, get a seat, win the seat, and get into the house and start asking Mr. Trudeau the tough questions that, frankly, the kind of questions that Mr. Shear never asks about. I mean, Mr. Shear asks questions. If he ever asks a question about his affordable housing, for example, it's it's usually to uh, to say, you know, it's either some asylum seeker in an asi- uh, in a affordable housing unit, we should do something against that. Well, I don't think that's the kind of question that Canadians are really interested in. If I've never heard Mr. Shear ask a question about uh, having a national drug plan, that's the kind of tough question that Mr. Singh can bring and should bring, and Canadians need him to bring. To the house when, when uh, as soon as as soon as possible should have been months ago. And These do you are do you questions. think they're not going addressed, they're not going asked? Mr. Trudeau can duck and hide as long as uh, Singh isn't there. So this will start to change the dynamic. Okay, and, Bob, and, you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I do want to clarify something here. This nonsense about the by-election that Tom says is amusing. One, this guy for a year didn't want a seat in the House of Commons. Then he not wanted true. a seat in the House of Commons. Then he wasn't sure. Then it was Burnaby. Then his guy re- resigns in Burnaby, but he doesn't really resign. He continues to keep his seat right up until the last possible minute before he runs for mayor of Vancouver. And who's responsible for all this fiasco? Well, that would be Justin Trudeau. I don't think so. This, the NDP can't get their act together. This is a classic example of it. And instead of blaming Trudeau, how about going out and canvassing and working hard to win the Burnaby uh, uh, Burnaby by-election instead of "woe is me," which seems to well, be uh, which seems to be their you can't campaign win an election line. that the prime minister Just won't call. Nonsense. And there's absolutely no reason that since September the 14th till today, 
until this week that the prime minister didn't call the by-election. Governments have the opportunity, and they have a six-month period. Every government has that opportunity okay. uh, to do that. Okay. Okay. Wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna call in John McCutcheon, who uh, doesn't particularly have a horse in this race. So, uh, what do you think the the correct view is here? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get Bob's uh, stellar defense, but you know, I don't think anybody with uh, one year university political science uh, uh, is fooled by any of that. The reality is. <laughs> Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's right. The Prime Minister has up to six months. But let's not take out that there's games to be played. And, and Singh not running in any of these previous by-elections that would have been a guaranteed loss, uh, no leader would have been that stupid. They never run in ridings they can't win. They hold off until there's a riding they can win. So Singh hasn't done anything wrong. Trudeau, uh, Trudeau by definition, is in the wrong here because he got elected on the promise of more democracy, a better way of doing things, sunny ways, unicorns for everybody. I mean, and he has not fulfilled on any major campaign pledge. And what about uh, the general, uh, I guess, uh, poor reviews for Singh's performance to date? Uh, Are you on board with that? Uh, I I would agree. agree. I mean, when he got elected, again, you know, I didn't go to their convention, and I, but as a a spectator of uh, the sport of politics from afar, I would have thought he was the, uh, first they thought they made a mistake by dumping Mulcair, but if they were going to pick somebody new, I certainly thought that Singh would be uh, the right choice, and certainly based on his performance in Ontario, uh, I think everybody pretty much had high hopes for him based on his performance. But once he got elected as the federal NDP leader, he's pretty well been an abysmal, um, I wouldn't say disaster, but he's, he's failed to ignite. He's failed to uh, capture people. He's, he, his performance is, you know, if you're going to be kind, I think you give him a C or a C minus. So, um, I mean, the liberals don't really want him to lose uh, the, the by-election. They'd like him to stay on as the leader because almost anybody would be better at this point. And the conservatives would love to have somebody better because uh, there's going to be a lot of disaffected uh, NDP voters potentially up for grabs with the liberals. Tom, this, this, you know, this this issue, uh, this conservative kind of thing about uh, you know wanting you know kind of the secret alliance of wanting to help the NDP idea, uh, you know, I think really is uh, being overplayed to be honest. And I think just factually, historically wrong. When Harper won in 2011. It's because you got 40% of the vote. Uh, it's not because there were uh, splits caused by the NDP or something like that. It's because you got 40% of the vote, up from 38% of the vote in 2008. And, and how he got that change, probably in, in a major way, was between, between 2008 and 2011. The, the Liberals uh, supported him in his majority with uh, numerous scores upon scores of confidence votes. So for your typical red-blue switcher, um, you know, their own, you know, the red team was already endorsing the blue team, so why not just vote for the blue team? And that's what people did. Conservatives win when people vote for conservatives. They don't win because of some, some kind of crazy game of uh, vote splits. That's just not historically true. And uh, do you think uh, that he should step aside if he doesn't win this election? I don't think I, I, Just a minute, I'm asking Tom. I'm commenting on that. The guy's got to run. Uh, and I, I think that he's, uh, you know, very likely to win, although it's it's got to be said, it's not a NDP bastion seat. It was won narrowly with only 35% of the vote in the 2015 election. So 
it's a fight he has to fight. By a guy who's obviously a popular guy if he's the mayor of Vancouver now. Yes, and so therefore the, the mayor, uh, you know, he has a great interest in being able to pass this on. So he will put resource and time into it. Obviously, the leader's office will put time and resources into it. Um, but yeah, he's an outsider. But you know, one thing I know about Jagmeet Singh, he's an extremely personable individual. Uh, and when people uh, meet him, he's, I agree with Tom uh, on that. I think he's a very, very attractive win. person. And he's very photogenic. Yes. <laughs> is is that a heavily Sikh riding? No. No. Okay. Not at all. I, I agree with Tom. He probably wins the seat. Uh, he's also aided by the fact that there isn't a green candidate in the race. Uh, and uh, and I agree. I, I think he's a personable guy. And he was actually a pretty good MPP at Queen's Park. Mm-hmm. He's not shown any of that as uh, as uh, the federal NDP leader. So this may be his opportunity to, uh, to reinvent himself. And apparently Maxime Bernier is running somebody in that riding. Yep. And remember, well, I'm, well, I'm personally looking forward to that, so everybody can see just how little influence <laughs> and that, how little a factor he's actually going to be, so everybody can stop talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to stop talking about him? Well, I think you will, because Maxine's on a delusional uh, envy trip right now, right? I mean, he, in no calculus from anybody of significance in the country will you say he'll... He would win enough seats to form party status, let alone government. So this this vanity exercise he's on is just really unfortunate. But it's that's all very true, and I think he is close to irrelevant. But I think as well we have to factor in that even if he gets one or two percent or three percent nationally, it is always it is mostly going to be draining from conservative vote. And again, that it's basic math. You know, you don't win because the vote splits. You, you win because you get 39, 40, 41 well, percent of the okay, vote. And, I, and on that, to and, be and fair, so that's just okay, that there, there, is no, there is no plurality. There is no vote across the country, right? I mean, this next election is 338 seats. And that's where whether the, the liberals are strong or the NDP are weak or the conservatives are relevant. Uh, can make the difference of, you know, one to 4,000 votes for each of the parties, depending how they're perceived riding by riding. And it will be very different across the country, I think, because of the dynamics where liberals aren't happy, uh, it, uh, new Democrats aren't happy, and I suggest conservatives aren't wildly happy either. We're, we're, our people are more motivated how unhappy we are with the current government. <laughs> and what about uh, Andrew Shear's performance? He seems to be traveling. He's gearing up, and and we've got the big carbon tax issue, of course, where we have a, a bunch of provinces going up against the feds. So, uh, where's Shear in all of this, Bob? Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say for for me, I think oh, you know, that's he, John. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say I, I think there's momentum there, uh, as small as it is. Right. So, you know, Paul, a lot of politics is about timing. Right. And and certainly the landscape has changed as more and more provinces have flipped from, um, you know, um, bad liberal governments to anything but. So the question now becomes, uh, you know, if they all rally and they show up, uh, you know, you go back to Ontario. The reality in the last federal election was Premier Wynn uh, worked very hard for Trudeau in the last provincial election. Trudeau didn't want to be seen anywhere with her whatsoever. So this election, there's a lot of provincial premiers that weren't involved last time that I think will be involved because of the carbon tax, and that's going to be a, 
leaving the policy aside, that's going to be a net detriment to uh, the Trudeau team. Uh, Bob, uh, what about that? And also, uh, Justin Trudeau is is running into trouble. He's had trouble with those native protesters on the pipeline issue, uh, and he's getting it from the other side of that issue as well. Uh, Definitely, uh, the bloom is off the rose. Well, welcome to governing. That's what happens (laughs) when you're in office for a period of time. I don't think it comes as any surprise. He still runs uh, very uh, much ahead of the other leaders in terms of who people would think is best uh, best prime minister in most polls. And if you take a look at it on the 330-plus ridings across the country, and if you break it down regionally, I still suspect we would see a re-elected uh, Liberal government. I would venture to say probably a re-elected uh, majority Liberal government, although that, that might be a little bit tighter. But uh, so, you know, I think he's doing pretty well uh, overall. Um, are there things that uh, you would like to do better in some areas? Sure. Are there some things that you would have uh, preferred that you didn't uh, do? Read Trip to India? Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's a few things like that that happen in any government. But most Canadians are pretty balanced and fair. I think we saw that in Kelowna last night. They were lined up out the door uh, three hours ahead of time uh, to see the guy because they like him, they trust him, and they think he's working hard for them. But Tom, how how big uh, is Justin Trudeau's heap of trouble? Well, I, I I think I would have to say, in fairness, that right now it's it's not a heap of trouble because he he he's a bit saved for the fact that people don't really know Sheer and they don't really know Singh. So it's better the devil you do know. So let's stick on that one. So unless one of the alternatives starts to gain some traction and people start to say, hey, this person's got some ideas and I can get behind it, uh, he's not really in a heap of trouble, even though we see uh, that his uh, approval ratings are falling, which means there's the potential. It means if somebody starts to spark, if somebody starts to get traction, there could be trouble for Trudeau. Um, but the onus is on Sheer and Singh to make the trouble. I, I think a, a piece here that where we haven't added in and, and deserves to be part of the mix is the, you know, what seems to be a bit of a, maybe an economic gloom that's coming over uh, Canada. We oh, saw very Bank good point. We saw the Bank of Canada report yesterday, uh, downgraded GDP expectations for the year fairly significantly, I think from 2.1 to 1.7% GDP growth. 1.7 is pretty low. Uh, and um, there was also a section that talked about rather low, I think, 0.9 wage growth. So um, in a context where interest rates have gone up, people are paying more for all the massive amounts of borrowing at historic levels. So more money going to, to interest payments, that means less money going into consumer goods, uh, driving the economy, you know, buying the things uh, that, you know, you and I, uh, per, you know, make or, or, or provide as a service every day. It's going to have a very negative effect on, on, on the economy. And then, of course, there's tons of international factors that, you know, that's a whole other discussion. But where that, where that economic gloom, how that plays, and if somebody can start talking about, uh, you know, wages, jobs, turning the economy around and addressing the cost of everyday life, I think that they might start to have a combination that can truly challenge Mr. Trudeau. Okay, hang on. I think we can uh, fit at least one call in. We've got Dorothy in Toronto. Hi, Dorothy. Hi, good afternoon, LaBeez. I'm just listening to the young men that you're speaking to, and you know, I I think um, one of the young men said something about Kathleen uh, 
uh, win, that she was treated kind of snubbed by uh, young Trudeau. He kind of avoided her. Well, yeah, because she's uh, desperately unpopular. (laughs) He doesn't want it to rub off. Do you know why? Maybe it's because of the putting up the minimum wage and trying to help the people. She was, uh, I think it was unfair what happened to her. Donald McGinty left and he dumped all that hydro and everything that was dumped in her lap. And she was blamed for everything. You know what I really think, and advice to these, because I'm a senior, to these young men, if they took a really good, hard look in the mirror at themselves and wanted to make themselves better people and to help the people, instead of picking on uh, the other politicians or other people and finding fault and being fault finders, they should really try to improve themselves, too. But what that's uh, they they're doing what I've asked them to do, which is to um, pick apart the political scene. But uh, I, I guess I, I what I get is that you would like a nicer, more congenial political scene, and I think a lot of people are on board with that. Thank you, Dorothy. Uh, we are running out of time, so uh, starting I guess with John McEtishan, what would you like to leave us with? Um, you know, I, I think the. Uh uh, the Fidelity Brown uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> you thought that was all behind you uh, it, when it, everything exploded last January uh, 2018. Now we're January 2019. I think it's a, a, a good symbol of this is a year where a ton of stuff's going to happen, none of us see coming. Uh, okay. Tom? Yeah, I'd actually like to pick up on Dorothy's comment because I think it's, it's valuable. You know, there is a lot of noise in politics, but as I was saying uh, just before her call, that economic piece of the puzzle, I think, is going to be a, a growing problem. Here, provincially, we're looking at budget cuts to pay for tax cuts for wealthier people. That's going to impact uh, health care, education programs, all those kind of things. The cost of living goes up and up. Uh, the cost of borrowing uh, is, is a lot higher, c- cutting out of, of uh, consumer and, and lowering the economic performance. So, you know, it really is a challenging time that um, puts the onus on the governors, plus the opposition leaders like Horvath and Shear and Singh, to step up and say, listen, do you have a solution for the problems that we've come into as a country, as a province, and try to turn it around so uh, we can address poverty, that we can have more cohesive society, that we can have great education system and strong health care, etc. These are the challenges of the time. And uh, all the other stuff really is bickering and noise. Um, not that we shouldn't hold each other accountable, though. Okay, and Bob? His I, comment in that, uh, I, I agree. I mean, what we don't want to see is the further Americanization of, of politics in this country. I think there's good people in all parties. I've worked at Queen's Park, and I've worked on Parliament Hill, and I know that to be a fact. Uh, I think instead of focusing a lot on personalities, the more we can focus on issues and our differences on issues that are based on fact, uh, that would be uh, that would be uh, a goal that we ought to strive uh, towards. We may not hit it a hundred percent, but I think if we uh, made that a focus for the year, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. Okay, well, uplifting thoughts from everybody. And uh, tomorrow, people, is Free For All Friday, if we could not get to your call. Thank you so much to uh, John McEtishan, Tom Parkin, and Bob Richardson. Appreciate it. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 